It's our favorite time of the week. It's Free Forum Friday here on Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Mike Jansen, Chris Fluke with you on this last day of the week edition of Unscripted, number 329. If you're keeping track at home, and we certainly hope that you are, because if you are keeping track, it means you've listened to a few episodes, and we're very appreciative that you did. Um, hope everything is going well for you this week. Um, looking forward to the end of the week. That's for damn sure. <laughs> Always looking forward to the end of the week, but this is a good way to kind of signify the weekend is here. Chris goes on to our uh, Twitter page, twitter.com slash unscripted MC. He looks for things that interest him, uh, comments, questions, statements, proclamations, videos, whatever, whatever is on there. Uh, he likes it. He brings it up. We talk about it, toss it around and move on to the next the next subject that he finds. So having said all that, I uh, bring in the executive producer of Unscripted to get this this boat going, Mr. Chris Fluke. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, we don't normally do breaking news on Freeform Friday, but we sort of have this here. You may have heard about this today. They talked about it uh, a little bit, but uh, you might remember that the UFC and ESPN signed a deal, and so... Uh, you know, the UFC a few years ago made a big deal. They signed with Fox, which was a huge thing for them. Mm-hmm. And now they've gone to ESPN, which is another step up for them. And uh, so uh, Shaheen Al-Shadi at Sean Al-Shadi, a great MMA reporter, reported here, UFC and ESPN have inked a deal to make ESPN Plus the exclusive new home for pay-per-views until 2025 Whoa. for fans in the United States. So we I, we may have an equivalent thing here or not. I don't know what's going to happen in Canada. But uh, basically, if you want to order UFC 236 or any pay-per-view for the next six years, it'll need to be through ESPN+. Plus. This is almost like, I guess, a new equivalent of maybe like HBO or Showtime when they have certain boxing rights, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. something like that. He also says uh, new ESPN Plus subscribers will get a one will get one year of ESPN Plus and UFC pay per view event for seventy nine ninety nine. Um, existing ESPN Plus subscribers will be able to purchase pay per view events for fifty nine ninety nine. And uh, yeah, basically what happened was is right from their they just had their first event on ESPN and it was amazing and ESPN was blown away at how successful it was. So that's great. Originally, they had a five-year deal that ended in 2023. So now this extends it to 2025. Uh, and I'm just looking at some of the response tweets from fans here. Uh, things like, so I have to buy fights now and can't just watch them at a restaurant. Going to be a long time till I see another pay-per-view. Uh, damn horrible news. Underwhelming big news. I have to now watch pay-per-view fights on my phone if I'm out. Horrible. Like just, uh, every, no one's... No one's too happy mm. here. Uh, oh, here's someone from uh, Canada. I think it's meant more for people outside of the U.S. right now. In Canada, I can watch all ESPN Plus fights on Fight Pass. That's their monthly subscription oh. service, like 10 bucks a month or whatever for all the fights. So I'll have to see how this is going to go. But what what are your thoughts on sort of making a sort of a you making it not just a universal pay-per-view so that you kind of have to go through ESPN Plus? What do you think about that? Well, I don't know enough about it, but my initial reaction would be is I'm not real excited about it. It seems to me it kind of limits them a little bit. They're acquiescing a little bit to the United States UFC fan, and I think that's a dangerous game to get into because there are UFC fans around the world. And again, I don't know, you know, I don't know all the parameters of the deal. I don't know what the licensing agreements are. I don't know a lot of the uh, contractual stuff, but from a very bare bones observation i think it's a little short-sighted 
to a lot of great UFC fans around the world, not just in the continental United States. Yeah, it, it's not a great thing. It's clearly a corporate decision. Fans are never going to be thrilled about it. Anything that limits their choice, that's sort of going backwards. It's sort of counterintuitive to how the world's going. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Staying in the UFC, I watched the main event of this past uh, weekend's uh, event, which was uh, Jorge Masvidal in an upset, knocking out Darren Till in the main event in front of Darren Till's hometown of London. And it was very, very surprising. And so basically someone on Twitter, a random fan, asked Jorge Masvidal, uh, basically, would you fight your friend for the belt because he might have to fight a friend of his potentially or it could, could kind of come up. And so they asked him that. And so Jorge Masvidal at Gamebred Fighters said, I would fight my mom for the belt. Well, you know what? That's the mentality you have to have. You have to, you know, uh, schedule makers have no preference uh, about teams playing certain teams on certain times and certain stadiums. And uh, to get to the best, you're gonna always going to have to beat the best in, in whatever endeavor that you're in. And I like the guy's attitude. Um, I'd take him uh, to beat his mother. And uh, I don't mean that just as a joke. I don't mean you should be hitting women out there. But uh, I think that uh, I appreciate this guy's attitude. And uh, I think that that attitude will serve him well moving forward in the UFC. Yeah, he had a great post-fight uh, interview too, and he's been around for a long time, but uh, he's pushing for a title fight now, and uh, he, he really did himself a lot of favors with uh, everything that he did there for sure. Okay, uh, I don't want to dwell on the uh, shooting in uh, New Zealand too much here or anything, but what's interesting here uh, is is the reaction, because most countries don't have a problem changing their gun laws. I mean, in England it happened like once, and then they banned all guns, and there's never been a problem. Now in New Zealand... Uh, here's just one gentleman from New Zealand. Uh, his name is John Hart at Farm Geek. And he said, until today, I was one of the New Zealanders who owned a semi-automatic rifle. Ooh. On the farm, they are a useful tool in some circumstances. But my convenience doesn't outweigh the risk of misuse. We don't need these in our country. We have to make sure it's hashtag never again. And he included a picture of the form he filled out with turning in his gun and magazines. And for reason, it put for destruction. And uh, so it's amazing that basically in one weekend, like they've announced that they're, you know, banning semi-automatic and whatever. But in one weekend, you had one shooting, uh, one weekend and laws are in place. And uh, it doesn't seem to be too much of an issue to do this in most countries. But in the U.S., there's just that gun fetish in certain parts of the country. And I don't think we'll ever see it change. Certainly, certainly not this fast anyway. There are too many overriding factors in the United States. There are too many people with what they believe is an opinion that we should, you know, pay homage to. Um, it's really too bad that laws take sometimes lifetimes to get approved. And, uh, and especially when I think that they would be for the betterment of society in general. But there are way too many chefs down in the United States. It's my home country. I'll always have a love for it. I fought for it. I shot things for it. But uh, I wish we were a little bit quicker on uh, some things that would be a betterment, I think, to society in general, especially in the United States. Okay, actually, another uh, UFC related, but this applies to all sports essentially here. So a gentleman named Brett Johns at 36 John said, I'm seeing loads of MMA fans recently laughing and mocking fighters if they lose fights. Fighters give up everything to make sure that they can win. When it doesn't happen, it hurts. Just take that in mind when you're about to troll someone. And then... Uh, Mike's future favorite fighter, Ben Askren, funky Ben Askren. From Milwaukee or something for, like yeah, that. From, yeah, from yeah, Wisconsin's own, the yeah. great wrestler. 
and uh, who's really making a name for himself real quick, still undefeated lifetime in MMA, and uh, very, very outspoken, much like our own Mike Jansen, must be a Wisconsin trait. So you're going to love this guy in every way when you see him, like just how brutally honest he is, how fearless he is, how, what, how talented he is. Anyway, so you see this nice tweet from Brett Johns, like, you know, hey, be nice to people. And so here's what Ben Askren says. I mean, isn't this part of being a public figure? If I lose, I will get torn to shreds, and that's part of the price. It's also the reason I get paid big bucks and get to do what I want. Have to take the negatives with the positives. I love this guy. He is me personified. You got to take the good with the bad. It's a part of everything. And uh, he'll be successful. And yeah, you know, you're... You're a hero if you win, you're a bum if you lose, and there is no in-between. But he's getting paid, and as long as he's healthy and he's providing for his family, good on him. And uh, it's really nice. This this guy, everything that I've learned about him, what Chris has taught me and what he tells me, uh, and I have done a little bit of research, surprise, surprise, on him. He is Wisconsin personified. We are good people. We're very opinionated. We're not afraid to state our opinion and back up our opinion. And... Uh, Everything about this guy says on Wisconsin. Yeah, we should watch his next fight for yeah, sure. Yeah, we should. Yeah. Okay, uh, Doug Ford at Ford Nation, who is, of course, the premier of Ontario. Very, very conservative. Uh, That's fiscally. the guy whose brother used to be the mayor was, of was, Toronto. Was right. Rob Ford. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Love Doug Ford. Love uh, right-wing fiscal conservatism. Love real grassroots. I wish he could come to Alberta. Oh, well, we're, we're getting the change. Don't worry. We're, we're getting there. We're going to change all the governments right away here, except for the Calgary one. But that's okay. We'll change the province and the country, and that'll be great. And then we'll have the blue wave, and it'll be wonderful. But anyway, I, I, I just love this. He says... Uh, today, we announced steps to centralize how the government buys things so we can save taxpayers money. Ontario families buy things in bulk at places like Costco to save money. It's time for the government to do the same thing. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, there is one thing that I feel very strongly about, and it has to do with the development work I've done the last 20 some years. The, the branch of government that has the most to do and most impact your daily life is obviously your local city government. We need a change of philosophy in that regard in every way, shape, or form in regard to locally here in the city of Calgary, as Chris just mentioned. But government should be about people. It's run by the people. It should be the for the people. And I remember the very first line of the American Constitution going way back to when Thomas Jefferson and George Washington and all those guys with those bad hairdos got together and signed this bad boy in the city of Philadelphia on July 4th, 1776. And it starts, that document starts, we the people. And not to get all soapbox on you and everything, but what politicians have forgot at every level of politics, whether at the lowest local uh, councilman or whatever, to the you know, to the highest seat in the land, government is supposed to be working for the people. The people are paying for the government when they pay their taxes. And that's something that has been lost in the fabric of our society for the last, the last generation for damn sure. And I believe that we need to re we need to find that and we need to find it in a hurry. Well, I, that's why I would just never vote for any party that's not fiscally conservative and economically literate because well, it, otherwise they have no I, idea what the fuck they're doing. You're absolutely right. But what, what, whatever side, red, green, blue, purple, you you ride a donkey or a jackass or whatever it is, you know, in the States it's, it's the elephant or the jackass, whatever it is, the bottom basic premise of government should be to 
help and assist people at its at its rarest form. That's what it needs to be. And that's some kind of something that we need to get back to as a society pretty goddamn quick, in my opinion. Well, that but that is the difference between the parties is that well, the, I, the, the left, at least fiscally, the left is economically illiterate and just wants to just, you know, doesn't and understand money. Abs- and I said you're absolutely right. There's no question. Yeah. But we have forgotten about the people in government. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, speaking of money, uh, Maury Brown at Bizball Maury. Blue Jays raising minor league salaries 50%. MLB not pushing for others to do the same. I think they should be. You know, and I, and I, I really believe it goes along the same premise. And not, you know, exactly, not mirror alike, but there are some similarities between paying college athletes and paying minor league athletes. They're supposed to be in in Toronto. They've got this initiative to buy 50% raise the minor league salaries. I think that's a great thing to do. Mm -hmm. I really do. Because you know what? Whether they're at the minor league level, at the major league level, they're still having to, you know, they're still, it's still their livelihood. It's still their livelihood to play for the AAA Buffalo Bisons or the AA New Haven, whatever they are, or the single A Dunedin Blue Jays, whatever it is, all the way down the farm system. But if they're lucky enough to make it to the major leagues, they'll have had a number of years of living on basically nothing. And I used to have buddies that were minor league ball players, and I saw their paychecks. And I my paycheck in the military was nothing, but it was more than the minor league guys that I knew in the day in San Antonio. And I can tell you, when I was in San Antonio, I made $630 every two weeks. And these are guys that are professional baseball players that hopefully are making the big bucks someday. But they start at the bottom just like everybody else, and they eat macaroni and cheese because that's what they can afford. And they eat, you know, uh, uh, butter sandwiches or smash sandwiches and all this other stuff. You know what? A little bit, fifty percent. That's a hell of an idea by the Toronto Maple Leaf. Uh, excuse me, the Toronto Blue Jays organization. And I hope that that is the norm moving forward with other teams' minor league systems. We need to take care of our future assets a lot better than we've been doing in the past. Yeah, absolutely. And 50% more of a low amount is, is, still, is still peanuts to right. us. Uh, add, a few dollar, add a few dollars onto the, the per-ticket prices, and you'll make up for yeah. it just like that. Absolutely. Okay, busted coverage. That busted coverage. John Rom nearly drilled a baby with a shot on the fourth, hit a guy in the chest instead, didn't listen to his caddy, hit a shot into the water onto a, on 11, lost his final round lead, and finished tied for 12th. And then uh, Busted Coverage also went on to say on another tweet, and I thought there was an unwritten rule about not bringing babies to golf tournaments. <laughs> John Rahm showed his age on Sunday at the Players. He went into the final round on Sunday in the final group with Tommy Fleetwood from England. And John, just as Chris just reported, made a bunch of mental errors, especially on the very difficult fourth hole at the TPC Sawgrass in outside of Jacksonville, Florida, but the really difficult 11th hole, he made a real mental mistake and it cost him a championship. Um, the weather conditions yesterday were not what you'd expect in uh, mid-March in Jacksonville, Florida. It was cold. It was windy. They played a factor. The guy that won the tournament was a guy who's used to those kind of conditions, Rory McIlroy. Very impressed with Rory. Um, 
you know, did what he had to do, didn't have one of his great rounds, but got in at two under 70. It was enough to win the tournament by one shot over Jim Furyk. Um, I was disappointed in John Rahm. I think he's one of the future studs of the PGA Tour. But until he can get his mind working with his awesome physical talents, you're going to see more meltdowns like this until he corrects that problem in future PGA Tour events. Funny news headlines at Headlines LMAO. Wedding drama. And this is a picture of a newspaper. Uh, this is the front page. Wedding drama. Best man left bleeding after being hit in head by flying dildo. I wish I was at that wedding. That would have been fun. Yeah, who's the best man at that <laughs> wedding? Um, absolutely. I guess he's um, a dickhead now. <laughs> <laughs> Literally and figuratively, yeah, yeah. he is a dickhead. Yeah. Congratulations. Oh, boy. Anyway, okay. So this one is, is funny. This is a great picture here. And uh, this must be because uh, the letter C and the letter X are next to each other on the keyboard. But this was actually a, on a real sports story talking about Auburn on television. So, of course, who came to the rescue but our favorite Twitter account, someone's an idiot at someone's an idiot. <laughs> Duke may be the NCAA tournament favorite, but Auburn already won the real tournament. And I'll show you the picture here. The headline is Auburn wins sex tournament. <laughs> that and see, you know, people make fun of me for always being Mr. English Nazi grammar Nazi spelling Nazi. Right, right. But here you go. Here we go. Perfect Wish. example right there. <laughs> I don't have any comment to that. Can you imagine if there's a March no. Madness for this? <laughs> Sex? Yeah. <laughs> I want to go to that. That would be madness. I'd go, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where do we where do we get tickets? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Carlo, okay, Deadspin at Deadspin. Carlos Santana smashed a TV with a bat because the Phillies were playing video games during baseball games. Yeah, th there was a big breakout of that last year. This uh, fan, something with an F. Uh, Fortnite. Fortnite, sorry. Fortnite, yeah. yeah. And uh, there were a lot of problems. Remember, late last, uh, middle of last year, around the All-Star break, uh, Red Sox pitcher David Price was worried about a sore forearm. And it turns out that he was playing a lot of Fortnite in the clubhouse and uh he would had gotten carpal tunnels whatever it was whatever that ailment is to your wrist uh, you know chronic you know what guys oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah carpal yeah. tunnel syndrome there you go that's the one <laughs> uh yeah and it got so bad in the phillies dressing room that carlos santana who was traded in the offseason to um i believe it was seattle and then he was traded somewhere else doesn't matter he was he was re released obviously but uh, yeah, he took he took a bat after one of their big screen TVs because the players were getting so uh, just they were just totally entrenched in this game. And the Toronto Maple Leafs, excuse me, the Toronto Blue Jays actually made an announcement today that 30 minutes before batting practice starts is when that all games this season in the clubhouse <laughs> have to be turned off and discontinued because now it's time to concentrate on your on your job. Oh, wow. it's, it's so. Charlie Montoya got, he's the new manager of the Blue Jays. He got into his little uniform and uh, made an announcement today that the Blue Jays will turn off all video games 30 minutes prior to batting practice so they have time to get ready and prepare mentally for the upcoming baseball game. Oh, man, this is just, it's like my parents isn't are that, running are running that, the Blue Jays or whatever. But isn't that a sad yeah, state of things that you have to make an announcement that we have to turn off the video games because our young men aren't 
aren't responsible enough to take their job seriously. Well, enough. there's, you know, people can't assume that just because back in the day before these things existed, things are always going to get to be the same way. Like someone's going to just going to be come a certain age and all of a sudden they're just going to revert to how people acted at that age, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. It doesn't make sense. That's how these guys were raised is playing video games all the time. So why would that change, especially when they're rich and entitled now? So yeah, no, I, I'm not the least bit surprised at all. Anyway, uh, Complex at Complex, among, of course, a million other places. Johnny Menzel signs to AAF in return to football. And so Mike often has trouble remembering what AAF stands for. So uh, my wife, Martina, came up with a couple other things that AAF stands Ooh, for now. We were in the car and we were talking about this, how Johnny Menzel signed. And she said that the AAF is now annoying as fuck because <laughs> they signed a guy who is asshole as fuck. And so... Now maybe you'll remember. I'm going to absolutely remember. Uh, I think it's with the Memphis team, right? We talked Memphis about Memphis Express. Memphis Express, coached by Mike Singletary. Um, and you're right. Zach Mettenberger was the quarterback there, was at LSU, was with the Tennessee Titans. He gets hurt. In comes Johnny. Um, I am really sad to see this. I really am. I'd like to know what he did to the Canadian Football League. The Canadian Football League gave this ham and egger a chance. I really feel sorry for the Montreal Alouettes after having given up two number one draft picks. And I don't two think players. It. they're stupid. Well, they're, they're idiots. But, you know, they thought that Johnny, I think, I hope, that they thought that Johnny was going to be around at least for the duration of his contract, which was supposed to be originally two years with the Canadian Football League Unscripted team. told him that was stupid when it happened. Right, for sure. But I'm just disappointed. I feel sorry. Uh, for the Montreal uh, Alouettes because they got taken and they got taken by an ultimate little uh, piece of shit named Johnny Manziel. And the best thing that could happen for me is that if somebody just puts him in the turf in Memphis the rest of the season in the AAF. I was trying to come up with something that I would trust Johnny Menzel to do for two years, and there's literally nothing. I, and I, yeah. I was trying to base, like, make it as basic as possible, and then I thought, I literally do not trust that man see, to breathe for the next two years. Here's, here's I don't. The, here's a problem that I have with it, and this goes a little bit deeper than football, but this goes into kind of Canadian Americana kind of thing. A lot of Americans around the world have the perception of being lazy and know-it-alls and kind of prima donna assholes. And I know this because I live in a foreign country and it's a great country and I love Canada and everybody that I've met here and everything. My kids are born here. My wife is from here. My friend Chris is from here. But around the world, Americans have a, get this perception that we, you know, uh, we don't listen to authority uh, we're legends in our own minds. Um, you know, the world revolves around us. And everything I've just mentioned, this little piece of shit is the, is the, is the picture boy, or the poster boy for this. Yeah. Everything bad about Americans is being portrayed by this asshole. Yeah, and he's even being exported to other countries to, to like, yeah. further the stereotype. And you know what, folks? We aren't really that bad. We've got some bad leadership. We've got some... We've got some obviously some polarizing figures out there but generally speaking if you pull americans aside and ask them a question we're really not all that bad we're not much different than canadians we just get painted sometimes in a bad picture because of idiots like johnny manzel all the cfl wanted to do was to give this asshole a chance i'd like to know what he did to get his his contract 
rescinded by the CFL. Oh, yeah, I'd love to know I'd that. love to know what he did. Yeah, I really I do. think it has something to do with alcohol, but I don't know. But I am just really tired of having to defend, and I don't have to do it, but I do do it because there are a lot of very good American people out there. Unfortunately, we get pigeonholed because we've got a lot of assholes too. And this is the king of the assholes right now. And I hope he gets buried in Memphis. Yeah. And sorry, the the tweet that I should have actually uh, quoted was Deadspin at Deadspin, which I love because they don't mention the name or anything. It just says, it has a picture of him, but just says, CFL Flameout signs AAF contract. And that's, and that's how he should be reported because he shouldn't have a big name right now at all. Okay, the comeback at the comeback. Jim Boylan calls timeout to drop a play with 30 seconds left and the Bulls down 27 points. Yeah, you know, and and then did you hear about also involving the Bulls over the weekend? The Bulls and the Clippers, both head coaches got tossed in the third quarter (laughs) because one started beacon off and then Doc Rivers comes back and returns the beacon off and and both coaches get tossed. Um, There's some weird stuff going on in Chicago right now in regard to their basketball team, and this guy seems to be a big part of it. Um, He's running it like a military boot camp. And I don't know how you can do that in today's day and age with today's prima donna athletes. Um, I don't think Jim Boylan era is going to last very long in Chicago because the way he's going, the players' administration or the league itself will run his ass out the door. Yeah, they don't want they don't want a big shit disturber like this as one of the thirty head coaches in the NBA. Oh man, I, all I've heard, I, I never hear about NBA coaches hardly, and then you hear nonstop about this guy, how much everyone hates him. So pretty interesting. Okay, the Onion at the Onion. Boston Mayor throws out first punch at St. Patrick's Day parade. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's funny stuff. Have Absolutely. you ever seen like, and it's one one of one of the Rock'em Sock'ems where they. Uh, where Pat Quinn, and we've talked about this a long time ago, I think, on Unscripted, but there was one where, for once, Bobby Orr comes out of his own end and had his head down, and that never happened, but he just wasn't, I don't know, he was just whatever, and Pat Quinn went up and took his fucking head off. Really? In the garden. Oh. And it was like World War Three. like the bench is clear, everyone's brawling, and literally, and Don Cherry, make sure to point it out, there two, some guys are like brawling over by, by, the, uh, by the glass, and literally all the glass, like every like everyone is standing up on the glass, yeah, like yeah. trying to reach over. One guy literally reaches over and like punches punches a guy in the top of the head. Like it's just crazy. Like you don't you don't headhunt Bobby Orr in the garden. It was well, insane. You know, and and Celtics fans and, and and Boston fans in general are a little different. They're very passionate about their teams. I remember, and this is the honest to God truth, because I was, you know, I was part of the organization at the time, or you know on the periphery, but of the Lakers organization. When the Lakers and the Boston Celtics were dominating the 80s in their famous series against each other, the 84 series, the 85 series, the 87 series, three series that were just really memorable. But when when the Lakers would come into town, surprise, surprise, there'd be no water for showers in the locker room. There'd be no air conditioning in the middle of June in Boston. Somehow the local hotel where the Lakers were staying in the Lakers rooms, surprisingly, no air conditioning go to those rooms. The gamesmanship was unbelievable. And the Lakers bus would drive up from their hotel to the old Boston garden by the railroad tracks. And they'd get anything that a Boston fan could throw at that bus. They'd throw at that bus bottles, eggs, Jesus. bricks, whatever. 
it just was a war zone. And uh, I can say that because I've been in a war zone. And uh, it's just, there is unbelievable passion. You know, Philadelphia fans have a lot of passion about their sports teams, but it comes out sometimes as almost hateful. Boston fans just come out as very prideful, but very protective. You fuck with us, you fuck with our teams, we'll fuck with you. And uh, that, I think, is the difference. Plus, Boston as a city has been unbelievably successful lately with all of their sports teams, whereas Philly, not so much. No. Okay, the Fight Oracle at Fight Oracle here. Uh, This is pretty funny. I just wanted to show you this picture of your new hero, Ben Askren, because I told you about the tweet, I think it was last week, where... Uh, he and Darren Till were going back and forth, and Darren Till called him our curly-headed fuck, among other things. So here's Ben Askren proudly showing off his new curly-headed fuck t-shirt. <laughs> Just having fun with it. The guy's great, and so uh, yeah, he's going he's gonna to be a big draw in the UFC uh, sooner than later, for sure. Okay, so uh, a great running back I used to love. Uh, also an atheist, which is very rare in sports <laughs> these days, because usually it's all about, at first, I just want to thank Jesus and everything. Yeah. So nice to see an atheist in sports here. Uh, uh, he goes, He's listed as Fino now because he has a bit of a know, rap or R&B. He gets some sort of singing or something. He calls himself Bobby Fino as a stage name, but it's Arian Foster at Arian Foster. Um, so he's been pissed off lately because he tries to be really mellow, but apparently he's uh, had some... And I think a lot of us have been in the situation where some of our neighbors aren't the best. And ah. so he's with, there's this homeowner association. Some people have been telling him his grass isn't perfect or something. So he's not very happy. So this is, this is how you know somebody's ready to go and argue with people. <laughs> Aaron Foster tweets, showing up to the next homeowners association meeting, wearing my Kaepernick jersey, ready to argue. <laughs> I love that. Arian Foster, running back, used to play with the Texans. I think he had a run with the Dolphins as well. And uh, he's going in with his Kaepernick jersey. Yeah, that, that's how you know someone that's, came to argue. That, yeah, he, somebody came to, to really sit down and throw down with the words. That's for damn sure. Just to cover all your bases, you should go with a Kaepernick jersey and a Make America Great Again hat just to make sure you cover everybody. Yeah. <laughs> just, just so nobody's not pissed off. Defend everybody. Oh, boy. Okay, I know I'm not supposed to say, like, you know, idiots idiots out walking around. I know I'm not supposed to say that. But The Onion just happened to say new Iowa poll finds majority of Democrats would vote for a candidate named Bobby Cheeseburger. And so, I don't know. <laughs> and, and I've seen another, a number of, like, making fun of Iowa stories lately on there. Is there something I should know about that? Um, I got in trouble years ago. And, you know, me... Um, <laughs> once told a program director that if you stick a piece of coal up this city's collective ass, two weeks later comes out a diamond. Got in trouble for that one. Which city was that? Um, that was here. Oh, uh, Cal- oh yeah, Calgary. Cal- oh yeah, um, well deserved. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got my sister-in-law is from originally from the state of Iowa. Got in trouble with her one time because Iowa to me stands for idiots out wandering around. It's a very unique state. There are no professional teams. Two big-time universities at Iowa and Iowa State. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of weird shit going on in Iowa. And Wisconsin happens to be a neighbor to the state of Iowa. Iowa's kind of south and to the left a little bit. But um, I actually was born in a city that was only 13 miles away from the state of Iowa. So I don't know what it is. They get some great athletes there, but nobody's from Iowa. They're already... they're all, They're from somewhere else. They always are. 
But uh, I don't know how Kirk, uh, uh, what's his name, the coach of the football team, Kirk Ferentz has been there for 20 years. I don't know how Hayden Fry was there for 20 years. I don't know how the basketball team stays. Their coach stays there for 20 years, Fran McCaffrey. There's a lot of loyalty in Iowa, but there's a lot of weirdos too. Okay, well, I'd like to usually end on the onion here and uh, haven't had as many onion stories that I've found lately, so I'll just hit a few of them. If you want to comment on any, go ahead. Uh, Hardee's introduces shame curtains for customers to eat behind. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've never eaten at Hardee's. What's it? What is it compared to? Hardee's is like um, Hardee's to me. Kind of reminds me of Harvey's. I was thought Canada. you'd say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you'd say that too. Yeah. It's just funny that they're that similar. All right, uh, experts recommend changing batteries and smoke detector every six fires. <laughs> I don't know why they came up with that. <laughs> <So> stupid. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, Every six fires. That's oh, funny. Uh, Le'Veon Bell stipulates Jets contract must contain immediate trades clause. Uh, sorry, immediate trade clause. I'm sorry, I messed that up. But <laughs> yeah, instead of no trade, immediate trade. I, you know, I don't. I, I don't have a comment about that comment. My comment though about Le'Veon Bell, and I'd be interested to hear your take on this. For a guy who just cost himself yeah. eight hundred and some thousand dollars a weekend by not reporting to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers last year, I don't think he got the contract he was looking for. No, he didn't. From the New York Jets. Yeah. I think that this was a very calculated gamble. And I said, I'm not going back on my word. I have great respect for Le'Veon Bell. He had a point to make. And, you know, damned that it cost him 800 and some thousand dollars every weekend. But uh, I think... Because remember, we were talking about last week that there was some noise that maybe Oakland was going to get involved. And then, but as it kind of turned out, from what I, my perspective was, it just to me kind of seemed like New York was kind of in a one man negotiation or one team negotiation. Yeah, no, they I did don't well. think there were a lot of people knocking on the doors, as many as he thought potentially would be. Yeah, that's clearly not the contract he's going for. I think at one point the Pittsburgh contract was better than that. And so it, it's interesting for sure. But uh, I appreciate the, yeah, the gamble he took. Look, he got a, he got lots of rest. He should be fresh should as be a daisy. should be fresh as a daisy. Ready Absolutely. to go. And uh, the Jets should be, uh, should surprise some people this year. You know what? Year. I, I got to add this though. It wouldn't surprise me one bit. Not one bit. First practice. <laughs> First practice. And you know where I'm going with oh, this. Oh, yeah. After missing, nah, yeah. not so much the ACL, I, but I think it'll be like a hammy or a groin or something. Yeah. Because you can sit there in the weight room, and Chris has got arms like tree trunks, folks. He works out a lot. He's really good shape. But you can sit there in the weight room and do your thing, but you cannot replicate even practice speed. Sure. And you certainly can't replicate game speed. Sure. And so after missing a year, it wouldn't surprise me one bit that the first person on the injured list next year when they report to training camp in Hofstra, New York, for the New York Jets, I believe that Le'Veon Bell will be on it with some kind of what they call soft tissue injury. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, The Onion has that fake sports podcast type thing, The Morning Sweat, that where we get tons of hilarious headlines. But uh, this one was, uh, should the NFL Combine get rid of the 40-mile dash? <laughs> well, you know me. I'm of the opinion that we should get rid of the Combine yes. and just have pro days is what I believe mm -hmm. that we should do. And instead of having a Combine, have them get together like the owners do or whatever at West Palm Beach, Florida, and they all get together and start not talking about trades or not talking about free agent signings. You remember, they're supposed to... 
they're not supposed to talk to each other until the two days prior to the new year open, okay? The new year was last Wednesday the 13th. Well, they were talking a lot, a lot, a lot, well before the 13th in my estimation. Yeah, okay. Uh, Just wanted to say this too. This leads to an onion story. Deadspin at Deadspin. Utah Jazz owner wants her team's fans to quit being huge flaming assholes all the time. And then, of course, that leads right into uh, the onion that says, Jazz reminds fans racist, homophobic language has no place in the good seats. Well, that doesn't unless if, unless uh, Russell Westbrook is running into those courtyard uh, <laughs> courtside seats. Part of the problem here is there are some hillbillies in Salt Lake City, Utah. Second of all, for some reason, the hillbillies in Salt Lake City, Utah, get courtside seats for Utah Jazz games. I can't understand that. Um, yes, there were a couple of guys that were banned permanently last week from jazz games because of an interaction that they had with Russell Westbrook. And supposedly there was some negative uh, communication between the parties involving the N-word and one of them calling um, Westbrook a boy. I don't know the whole, uh, you know, I don't have a transcript of what was said, but ultimately what I do know is that Larry Miller, of course, passed a couple years ago. His wife is now the owner of the team, and she came out the, at the game after the Utah-Oklahoma uh, City game and addressed the crowd, kind of, you know, giving them a little bit of a t- tongue-lashing about their performance and what they can and cannot say. But um, this is the most unique situation, the most unique city in the NBA because there's just so much weirdness going around in Salt Lake City. So when you always when you have a kind of a weird home crowd and then bolstered by you know a bit of a I think Russell Westbrook sometimes has his photo or his his radar on a little bit too much and he hears things a little bit and he needs to toughen up a little bit. Now rightfully you should never call an African American the N-word. I get that. I I totally understand that part of it, but there are some things that probably Wes, Russell Westbrook needs to just leave in the stands. That's all I'm going to say. Not saying right or wrong. Uh, I think the Jazz did the right thing by suspending these people indefinitely. But um, tell me that there aren't things said to players when they go into the stands in Philadelphia or they go into the stands at Madison Square Garden or they go into the stands in Los Angeles. Happens everywhere, folks. It just takes on more of a, you know, kind of a, it takes on a, a greater meaning maybe when it's in a weird place like Salt Lake City, Utah. Okay, and uh, just before I say my last tweet, which is an Onion one, I just wanted to make a quick mention of a couple that I liked. Uh, Nick Costos at the Costos, who I believe is a podcast host. He, uh, I think he's a Giants fan, and I was looking for somebody, because you know I mentioned earlier in the week about how I've actually felt sorry for Giants fans, and they must be angry right now. He says, I'm serious. I hope the Giants go 0-16. I want everyone fired. There's no level of embarrassment large enough for this organization to suffer. Dave Gettleman is the worst. And I think that's how most fans are feeling, even though, as we've seen, there have been some good moves like Zeitler and Golden and some other ones. Uh, Another tweet I really liked this week was Mike uh, Guyry at mguyry3. I guess that makes seven rings for Robert Kraft, six super, one prostitution. (laughs) Seven rings! 
Beautiful, beautiful. Oh, and here's the final one I wanted here. The onion at the onion, of course. And I love this one because it makes fun of this practice that I, I said I liked it when it happened once or twice, but now everybody's taking out full page ads and yeah. billboards and I, and it's the same thing. Oh, it's the same I, bullshit. Hey, lawyer, please write this for me and thank everyone and show how classy I am. But anyway, here we go. The onion. Antonio Brown buys Pittsburgh billboard to thank Antonio Brown for putting up with City. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. I think it's been overdone. Um, I thought it was a stretch when Mike McCarthy did it in Green Bay. <laughs> yeah. Um, what you know, and then to see Antonio Brown do it, you know, it was nice. I guess maybe the first time it was done thirty years ago, but now it's gotten to be old news, and it they're just it 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 just isn't genuine. It just isn't genuine. Antonio Brown had nothing but bad things to say about his teammates, about the organization, about the city itself. Just go on to Oakland. It's going to be painful enough out there the next couple of years, and we'll see how you're doing after two years uh, in the in the in the midst of a rebuild in Oakland. Let's see how what let's see what Antonio Brown's numbers look like in two years catching passes from Derek Carr versus Ben Roethlisberger. It'll be interesting to see. We've got to run. Thank you very much for a great week. Thanks everybody. Hope your week was a good one, and hope next week is even better as we wrap up this Freeform Friday edition of our little program. Having said that, I want to thank all of you. I want to thank Chris. Thank everybody for participating. And uh, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.